Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of the Access VFX Podcast. On each episode of the pod, we interview a different member of the VFX animation and games community and ask them a range of questions from the AVFX vault. Every week we invite talented folks from the world of visual effects animation and games, including heavyweights and those just getting started in the industry, and ask them about their journey from humble beginnings, big breaks and learnings, through to shamelessly mining their brains for career advice and their thoughts on how we can create a more inclusive and diverse creative community. For our 11th episode, I had a fantastic chat with digital compositor currently at ILM, Larray Batter. Firstly, what a credit list. Tenet, No Time to Die, WandaVision, Godzilla, Killer Lizards are a regular feature, it seems, on the podcast. We've been after the raid for the podcast for a while now, and I'm so happy we got to record this conversation. Certainly a friend of the show, Lorraine got involved with our BAME Industry Connect podcast back in 2020, and more recently our last in-person event last year with XVFX, so very much on the podcast hit list. We chat growing up in Lahore, Pakistan, her inspiring journey into a successful career in visual effects, the importance of representation and diversity, and can I just say, her brother's advice could be the only advice you need to hear if you're interested in a career in the industry. Anyway, enough from me. We very much hope you enjoy episode 11 of the Access VFX podcast. Hello and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode 11. It's me, Simon Devereaux, and I'm joined today by a digital compositor who has worked for most, if not all, of the big names in visual effects and animation, including MPC, Framestore, The Mill, Dean Egg, Aardman Animation, Glassworks. There are lots. You can go and check out her LinkedIn profile where I exclusively do my, my research. And of course, we can't forget her current stint at Industrial Light and Magic, otherwise known as ILM. Also, I should note a massive champion for equity, inclusion and diversity in our industry through her work with Animated Women UK, her regular speaking engagements at TED Talks, which I'm keen to talk about as well as we go through the episode. And of course, an Access VFX go-to panellist, having played a big part in our 2020 BAME Industry Connects pods and most recently supporting our last in-person XVFX event. It's the brilliant Lorraine Butter. Welcome to the podcast, Lorraine. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for having me. Such a, Thank you so much for your kind words as well. What an intro. You're welcome. Uh, You're welcome. It's such a, such a pleasure being here on your podcast. Well, you've been on, on the hit list for a while. Um, <laughs> I mentioned the, the XVFX we, event we did back in October. Was it October? Wow, it still feels like... Wow, really? Or last week. And that <laughs> oh, was our first. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's flown by. And that was our last in-person event, really, yeah. post-pandemic, which was really lovely and a really great crowd and more to come there. And I think since yeah. then, you've been on the list. You would have been on the list anyway, but I think on the back of the conversation, we've uh, hit up both, obviously, yourself, Sid Harrington Odedra, who joined the podcast a few few clicks ago and we've got Mark scheduled for the end of January I'm saying it here now as an exclusive so he doesn't <laughs> get to brilliant. wriggle out of it um but yeah so how, uh, where, so you're at ILM at the moment how long have you been at ILM 
for? Yes, I have been now at ILM for for a year. I started during the pandemic, basically. So it was before that I was at DNEG. Mm -hmm. At DNEG, I was almost, I was there for almost four, four and a half years or so. And then the pandemic hit, things changed. We were working on so many different shows and I was working on different TV shows and film projects like 007, Tenet, one after the other. We were just delivering, we were full on doing things. And then with the pandemic, working from home and everything started to be rescheduled, the deadlines and everything were pushed back. So yeah, it was such, such an experience. So yeah, kind of made redundant at Dina, I'd lost my job. And then after that, Ireland approached me. So I've been at Ireland for a year now. Brilliant. And uh, are you allowed to talk about any of the ILM properties you've worked on since you joined a year ago? Yeah, some of the the amazing shows I've been part of, The the Stand by Stephen King. And then I was on Wonders Vision um, uh, on Disney Plus, a few other shows as well. One thing I've loved about hearing you on uh, various speaking engagements and panels, Lareb, is you always drop the, the big the big gun shows. I mean, already kicking off with Tenor, 007, oh. <laughs> WandaVision, amazing. And how have you found the difference between pre-pandemic kind of 2D compositing and having worked through the remote working era? You know, how have you found, how have you adapted to that? It was such a huge change, such a, such a transition working from office and then translating into this work home environment, which is mm. also because I'm a mother. So for me, it was such a challenging and difficult time because I'm looking after my son and then we we had homeschooling being done as well at home mm. so that became a really difficult time for me in in between transitioning from DNEC to Ireland I had four months off because I was on furlough when after working on so many big shows I was finally put on furlough I was like thank god I knew <laughs> I'm off actually. <laughs> at the beginning it was stressful but then I was like okay four months off I can just take a breathe you know and just uh, spend my time with my son focus more on his learning from from home and you know just take a break as well in general it was just such such a shock with everything happening around us we really needed to calm down a bit mm -hmm. and th those four months were just just gave me that breather to to help sink in everything process everything and then <laughs> start riling yeah. yeah that was a lovely reset before yeah before yeah the, the new role absolutely yeah. Yeah. And how did you balance the homeschooling then? Because I, I, I did it. I say I did it. My, my, my significant other did most of it because I also started a new job during during the pandemic. And I don't know how I would have done it. How I would have coped. It was it because was, I'm a single mom as well mm -hmm. and had help from my mother because mm -hmm. so, she lives with me and she has been so supportive and helpful with that because I was working a, I was doing a full-time job mm -hmm. so so for me to manage that was really incredibly hard so I was just in between my job and going to him checking out on him that he's doing some online activities because we were doing online classes and my mother was there too so it was yeah so from family having the support and help system really really made not easier but made it manageable for me to get through my full-time job and also looking after my son yeah yeah I mean that support structure when you're when you're a parent is, is yeah. so important isn't it and uh, look, lucky you had your, your mother to be able to pitch in because 
I mean, not saying, you know, visual effects artists are an island of busyness. I mean, it's a bit, you know, when you're working on a show like the ones you've mentioned, I mean, it's wall to wall work, isn't it? So yeah. I, think, uh, I don't know how I managed to be honest. I don't know. <laughs> I, cannot, I, can't, I can't comprehend and answer that properly. I don't think so. I've, you got through I've, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got through the other end. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So, so welcome to the podcast. You'll know that we have our access via VFX vault. So let's open the vault. And the first question is pretty simple one is where in the world are you and where did you where did you grow up? So, of course, I'm based in London, working for Ireland at the moment, uh, but I grew up in Lahore, Pakistan. It was until the age of 14. Then after when I was 14, I moved to UK. I did my A-levels, GCSEs and A-levels from London. And then I had placement in City University for Architectural Engineering. But before I went into uni, I took a gap year after my A-levels because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that. So it was during that gap year, I think, I had a epiphany <laughs> that I wanted to do VFX. And also from my brother who guided me through what I should do. So, yeah. Wow. So how, how, how does that epiphany happen then? <laughs> <laughs> it was really like, yeah, I needed to take some time off to know what I what path I wanted to choose. Always when I was growing up, I, I was a very quiet and shy introvert kind of person. And for me, I loved art and design and I loved anime features. And I, as we were talking about Pixar and Toy Story, I loved the Toy Story, the first one. I was in love with the anime and the character, animation character and the storyline. So for me, I was always like, maybe something to do with art and design and technology, but I didn't, I wasn't exposed to VFX back then. And then it was later on and my brother was back then an aspiring singer he is right now a musician and singer himself so he back then somehow came up with this idea larry maybe someday you can work on my music videos to do vfx <laughs> you know look into that because <laughs> you're passionate about, yeah he was like you're passionate about art and design and technology so probably look into vfx that would be so i was like wow. yeah that was that was like a light bulb and they were like yeah that's a great idea I wanna... yeah so i looked into it and yeah has your brother made a music video yet he's done few yes okay. but i still owe him one <laughs> <laughs> you've not added your magic to his music progress yeah. yes 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 Coming he's soon. also building his he's still at the beginning stages of his career so yes we will I, we do plan to collaborate together definitely well, i do love an epiphany yeah and again typically you'll know from the events we we, we go to and when we're talking to young people about careers and visual effects and I mean how did you know the industry existed how did you know it was a thing you could do because it tends to be a hidden career particularly back, yeah, back then right back then so many years ago back in 2006 I had no clue we affects how to even get into it or because we had no uh, awareness or or you know no courses even in basic you know, normal universities wouldn't do any any courses related to VFX or and very few animation courses, but VFX was very niche. So for me, I again, my brother's best advice just took me forward and I started searching on it. And then I came across Escape Studios, one of the best it was in yeah, London at the moment and still is. So I was like, okay, let me search on that. And I started looking through it and I was like, this looks incredible because they were just working and connected to big studios in London and working on major shows and their tutors themselves were industry professionals. So I was like, wow, this would be my dream come true if I do a course like this. 
and then yes i got it somehow my my parents you know helped pay for the, for the course and i applied and i got accepted and then during my gap year i did this five six month course yeah. vfx comprehensive which was all compiled compressed into like 20 weeks course it was so intense and crazy <laughs> everything was thrown i had no no vfx knowledge or background and i was the only girl and the youngest there wow. i was 19 and there were other people all male male students and they were around the either somewhere between the age of 25 30 or in their 30s had some experience in vfx have some industrial experience doing like advanced course there and for me i was like what am i doing <laughs> and <laughs> it was yeah but wow. but i'm so fully focused and i was so excited i was like i want to learn all these tools and i want to i just want to get into the industry that was my goal Amazing. And did that, did it spare you on being the only woman in the class? Did you no, feel right? Like, no, I, I didn't care. To prove myself more. It's just like, I'm here now. I'm just going to. Yes, I'm, yes. I'm I, I, exactly. I did not care because, you know, I, I know where I come from, from the, the community and the background where I come from. There's nothing like that. We don't have these institutes or schools. So I felt so lucky to be in a place like this, having this opportunity. So I was so fully focused. I was like, this is it. This is my time. This is my moment. I'm going to learn and do my best and see where it takes me. Yeah. Awesome. And is that where Mark Pinheiro? Yes, yes. He, yeah, was, he was one of the tutors and one of, he was the best for me. And he was the only one I stayed in touch. I think we had several, five or six different tutors um, teaching us different mm -hmm disciplines of vfx but yeah we we stayed in touch since then amazing amazing well uh, shout out to mark i'm sure he's listening he's be practicing for his uh his podcast <laughs> debut so uh, this will be a good one oh, for him to be listen amazing. To. <laughs> um, so yeah I, I want to return to this subject because uh, a lot of our questions talk about break into industry and, and the university you went to um but i want to talk a bit about you and the three words that describe you i'm not very good at describing myself though but i did choose the three words that i was gonna say excellent yeah i, I would say resilient i'm passionate and also intuitive oh i like that we had intuitive on the last one i believe from uh, annie gordon from uh oh, nice. now it goes for your effect she said intuitive yeah I mean, passion comes up a lot i always find i always find that interesting having a lot of these podcast conversations is the words creative and passionate come up and i almost think I don't think anybody works in our industry that isn't passionate. Is that yeah. fair to say? Like you don't, you don't get out of your way to work in visual effects exactly. unless you're, you have yes. a passion, but it deserves its place in your three words, LaRope. So yes. there's no not picking holes in your three words. <laughs> so intuitive. So that's your innate you know, curiosity, growth mindset to, to keep learning, to keep growing, to keep you know, forging your way forward as a, as a, as a craftsperson. Absolutely. Exactly. Also, also to make the right decisions when, when you are on the run and on the go of, in the middle of such challenging projects and jobs mm. and working how also you know having the perfect work ethics because yeah. you have to collaborate with so many amazing people in the industry and you need to be on top of your game with how you deal with everyone and establish those mm. connections and relationships with people so i think it's really important to have intuition about how what kind of people you 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 know you learn to work with them and who you are very comfortable with and yeah. this, it really helps, yeah, making right decisions, yeah. 
That's a great shout. That's the nature of the work that we do, isn't it? Yes. It doesn't happen without collaboration. Nobody can work in a silo. Nobody's an island. You can't dine out on one person's talent to yeah. achieve the desired results. I mean, at what point did you learn about that in your education? So coming through the, the, for the escape program, or perhaps it was your first role, but at what point did you go, actually, this is more than just me being brilliant on the box. I've also <laughs> got to be an absolute, you know, legend with, you know, collaboration and communication and connection. Yeah, it's definitely, it takes you some time to understand yourself and your abilities because I went through so many different challenges. It's partly how my upbringing was, being such a reserved and observant person myself. I think that kind of plays a role as well. You, you think and reflect a lot on so many things and, and, and the steps you take in life. And then being in the industry, because I, I went through so many different challenges where I come from, for women having a career is not encouraged. So I wasn't very highly encouraged to have a career and then especially my father he had very strict rules when I was growing up for 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 a girl to he had certain mindset and certain vision for me that maybe you shouldn't be having a career maybe you should be more staying at home when you wow. getting a married getting getting married and having a, just staying at home mom or something but it wasn't really highly encouraged so I had gone through that period as well but my mom was always my brother the driving force and my mom always supported me to be to stand on your feet to be independent and do something and that all just came together when I joined escape and I was like this is it this is my time and I want to prove myself not that I really wanted to prove anyone but wanted to prove myself to, to myself that I can actually do this. What I've been taught all my life, that women are not allowed to do this or that, is yeah. something I don't want to believe in. I mean, what a what strength of character you must have had to really, you know, push forward. And, and, and yeah, because you hit, it's not the first time I've heard, you know, these kind of, particularly kind of families from diverse backgounds, where you have quite, what's the word, traditional yeah. career aspirations for your children yeah so it could be you know you must be a doctor or you must be a lawyer or you must be like in your case yeah. you know your stay-at-home yeah. mom or yes yeah I mean that must for somebody like yourself that must massively spurred you on to be the, the success yeah. you are are today there's certain expectations that you have to live up to mm. within your community and then uh, for me I think being very reserved and not very social probably helped me because I was just away yeah. yeah just keeping my head down and I just knew what I want to focus on and not mm. not hear the rest it's just noise it's just yeah. distraction you have to Blinkers focus on. on yeah yeah it yeah. really helps you stay focused on your goals yeah wow what does your dad think about what you you do oh he's so proud now excellent so happy and so proud because somehow someone posted about me that I'm working on this big shows in such such a big industry and it kind of went viral and became a news in Pakistan and this know, girl yeah. at such a young age is working on films like Mission Impossible and stuff like that so it became such a big thing and then people approached my dad that oh my god your daughter's doing this is amazing there's hardly any Pakistani doing right now let alone hmm. her being a woman in a male dominated industry and doing such big projects is such an incredible thing. And parents, their parents approaching me and saying, we want our daughters now doing the same. So that for me is such an achievement, I think more than That's anything. huge, what a ripple yeah. effect that is. 
yeah 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 it's so nice to see that that's amazing well again all this stuff i, I want to keep kind of yeah connecting with as we go through the vault right? yes. <laughs> but i want to talk about what inspires you what i mean i always use the term what gets you out of bed in the morning but what what's what where do you get your inspiration from it's really the every day it's what motivates me it's like amazing people i work with just these brilliant minds and oscar-winning teams and they they come up with these amazing ideas every day and how to collaborate and how to come up with solutions with certain problems and issues we face on different tasks and projects so it's so inspiring and working from home is a bit different when working from office you would always come across someone you just pass by someone's screen you look at and they're doing some incredible shots and incredible work and then you like you sit down and question how how are you doing this how are you approaching yeah. this you know it's such such a nice environment to be in people are so passionate about what they do so it just mm. fires you up as well <laughs> i mean i do miss the, you know just just looking over someone's shoulder or you just walk yeah. past and there's the yeah. used to have a nice to work at the mill you would have the rows and rows of artists and they'd all be working on something weird and wonderful you know every kind of creature work to a slick piece of uh, vr and uh, yeah it, it starts it's a conversation starter isn't it you know yeah. literally what are you working yeah. on oh what's that you know and then yeah. you learn and i imagine peer-to-peer -peer, it becomes you know going back to what you're saying about being inquisitive as you, you learn through osmosis naturally as well as being on the job of course and and collaborating with uh, whatever that project team is but just that natural ebb and flow of the st studio life Absolutely. I just love Massively it. Massively missed. <laughs> I missed that. Yes. It's funny. I, and again, I mentioned this a lot on the podcast is whenever we ask that question, I would say more often than not, people talk about the people that, that surround them at whatever level yeah. they're at. It's all about, again, goes back to what we said about that, that genuine yeah. collaboration of yeah. meeting of minds. You always, always learn something from everyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, again, another, another favorite of mine is the explain what you do for a living to an alien so yeah that's <laughs> yeah, the, the knock on the door very vfx talking about aliens you know we like uh, we like an alien in the, in the big shows but you uh, might have more advanced way of <laughs> explaining yeah it's vfx is all about just adding digital content to whatever you shoot on on cameras or or whatever you film it's once the, those films or live action is short then it's sent to post-production and then artists like us, we use different tools and softwares to make CGI elements and uh, put, bring them and integrate them on live action. So I'm a compositor. I, I do come at the very end of the VFX pipeline where I take all the elements from batch move or layout animation, lighting, CGI elements or FX, and then bring them together and put them on, on the final live action shot and make it look realistic and final and then we send it to the clients for approval yeah. that's the most detailed explanation we've had so far that's brilliant. <laughs> i can imagine the aliens just like diligently taking notes going mm, tell, tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> beautifully put beautifully put and we uh, i've learned that we have to appreciate that you know most aliens will be quite intelligent and they've made it this far exactly. they've, they've, they've conquered <laughs> earth so they'll understand a few more of the complexities of uh, what digital means 
Or they might first... have more advanced technology than we have, and they might be like laughing at us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I almost a uh, few of the uh, the apprentices that we've had on when we've asked them, they always talk about it. it's more like um, explaining what I do for a living uh, to my parents, which actually probably speaks oh, to <laughs> the conversation. It'd probably be a harder question explaining what you do to your your your, your dad back in the day when he said, "No, you're not you're not doing that." Oh, I'm just a director. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll do. Yeah, yeah. You watch this. Here's my name on the credits. Yes. So we've touched a bit about you, uh, you kind of growing up and growing up in Pakistan and moving to the UK age 14. Um, in terms of career ambitions, before you got that epiphany you mentioned earlier, before you went, right, I want to be a VFX artist, that's what I want to do. You know, what was it you wanted to do growing up, you know, whether it was be me growing up in Pakistan or, or when you landed in London, you know, what's the, what were the aspirations? I always, I never had any set mind on anything, what exactly I wanted to do. I always thought I was interested in art and design or technology or either it was architecture, This, which is why I chose uh, civil engineering with the architecture at university. But then again, I wasn't very, very, very sure. But then, yes, again, growing up watching anime features that I was so interested in, like Toy Story, Pixar films, and some of sci-fi is another genre that I absolutely love. I used to watch Terminator and Blade Runner Classics. and all these legendary films. And for me, it was like I, 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 I was into drawing reading books as well, <laughs> storytelling. So for me, it was never decided what I wanted to do if it was VFX, as I mentioned earlier. So it was during that time, during my gap year after after A-levels. And awesome. thanks to my brother for giving me that advice. <laughs> Almost feels like you've got all of these interests just floating around, just waiting yes. for yeah, a role to just connect with. And click. it's like a jigsaw, yeah, yeah. like a yeah, yeah, yeah. click, 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 like a transformer. And then it's like, oh, that's the job. That, that, that brings together my love for stories and yes. art yeah. and design and, and, and you know, some of the craft of, of like you say, architecture and, and, and environments. So, yeah, very cool. And just the craft of drawing and, and loving yes. anything visual. So I love that. I'm picturing kind of like, a, you know, the minority report style, like, whoosh, whoosh, like moving all the... the <laughs> bits and bobs around obviously we're already age so people yes. can't see me flailing my arms around trying yeah. to embrace my inner tom cruise okay that's cool thank you for that so we're getting into kind of the educational route now so we talked a bit about escape what, what did you go which university did you study at did you study at uni was it the architecture yeah, degree it was, yeah it was at university so basically during my gap year i started at escape studios when gotcha. i did my, when i finished my course i was already starting to have job offers because escape studios they had this recruitment department as well they were connected to to different studios big studios mm -hmm. like framestore mpc and then we had recruited there in escape at the end of the course was interviewing us and if we had the right skills they would send us out for work so the recruiter did approach me at the end of the course and said, Laura, there are studios looking for junior artists if you're interested. And I was like, yes, I am interested. So that's how I started working from small studios. I was doing these small Disney Edward promos or album promos for um, Rolling Stone and a few other massive singers and bands. And from there, I started going into, I was offered films at MPC, back then 10,000 PC or 
yeah, a few few massive projects back then, which was amazing to work as a roto artist and junior. But yeah. uh, as as I mentioned, some challenges I had from the family, some traditional mindset that I had to face from my father, for example, he was like, maybe you should be going to university, doing engineering, not all this and all, you know, or or should be finishing your degree and not really mm. focusing on making a career. And I did actually go back to City University to do my engineering. Oh, really? Just to keep the family happy? <laughs> Literally after I didn't even finish it, I dropped out. I was like, this is not for me. I don't want to do this. It's hard, isn't it? When you, you go through it. Yeah, when you go through that. And uh, yes. we had a similar conversation with Jasmine Kat- Katatakan on a few episodes back. And she talks about the same thing about, you know, really you know, almost pursuing this idea of a career. Yeah. And then there comes a point where it's like, my heart's not in it. The lecturers yeah. can tell and your, your, yeah. your, 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 the students you're on the course with can tell. And it's like, you have to pull the plug or you yeah. just see it through and you, you get a, a piece of paper and then then you end up doing what you really want to do, you know, which yeah. is kind of wasted time. Yeah, exactly. It just comes a waste of time because if you're not into it, then it's you're going to be a failure if, if, if you can't wow. in the eyes of your, your, put yeah. your mind and heart and soul into whatever you're doing. You're not going to be happy and so it's not gonna it's not gonna end well so i always believe in doing what you like you know wow. we need more stories like this to convince <laughs> parents particularly all, all parents of all, in all walks of life who uh, have this and, idea yeah again other thing because also parents don't see people like us in the industry no. so they think it's not a future for for, no. for our children so they are from their point of view they think we are doing the best for our kids but yeah, yeah. I think it's it's all about having that support structure from every every aspect. Absolutely, absolutely, couldn't couldn't agree more. So you've touched on the break into industry. So I want to hear more about that. So you talked about being, yeah, you know, because I know the uh, the obviously know Escape Studio as well. They're members of Access VFX, and uh, we've supported a number of their their events and courses. And of course, industry recruiters are no strangers to the the hallowed halls of Escape Studios and Pearson College. So tell us a bit about your break then. So you said you did that uh, break as a kind of junior roto artist. You know, where, where was that and who, uh, who uh, gave you your big break? It was, it was a recruiter from Escape Studios. She, she approached me because she was interviewing all, all the students when we finished the course. And she approached me saying, I really see your dedication into, into the work or the education in, in the courses. So I would like to send you out for junior roles. And my first... One was in a company called Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It was a, it's a very small studio based in Soho. And they were working on items and promos and small uh, commercials. So that was my first job as a, as a roto artist. And from there, and then I, I started getting offers for, for roto jobs on big film projects on MPC. Then I worked for The Mill and, and, and Frame Store and also prime focus back then so yeah I was doing a few jobs here and there it was never a long-term contract for me it was always very very small jobs I was doing here and they're trying to build my CV experience and you know and yeah also facing all the challenges that I was getting from home yeah <laughs> so yeah I go it's still happening during that time yes exactly yes I was like I was always double-minded should I go back to engineering maybe I should not carry on doing this and uh, there was yeah there were issues and stuff that I had to overcome and then I think also early age 24 I was I got married I moved to to Spain for a few years so that was a huge gap in my career I stopped 
completely yeah. i think i've very very few freelance freelance jobs in in barcelona but then again it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't quite the good time for for vfx work industry hasn't flourished that much as it has in london so it was really hard finding work in barcelona mm-hmm. so yeah i came back to london when in 2015 and oh, also the last time yeah, after became also became a mom, so I had a four or five years gap in my career easily. Yeah, what a shift! Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's always I'm going through these shifts all the time. <laughs> it's never, it's never settled. <laughs> At what point did you feel free of the the the, the family pressure? You know, because yeah, I'm getting a sense that you know you took the role on, and and there was a lot going on on with what you should and shouldn't do, whether it was finishing your degree or pursuing a different career. At what point did, was that weight lifted for you? Certainly after, after marriage, why? Because my, my dad didn't have much more of a, of a saying in what I should do, what I shouldn't. He thought, okay, she's having family now. She's all in control. She can do whatever she wants. So in our culture, it's very traditional to be to, for men to have the power to say what a woman should do. So either it's your from your family, either it's your father, your brothers, and then after marriage, it's your husband who get to have the say. But luckily, I wasn't. I wasn't even. I wouldn't say. I shouldn't say that. When I got married. I met my husband, ex-husband now, which again we are separate. I met him during my time at Escape Studios. Okay. So yeah, he's he's from a Spanish background. So he's he's from a different culture. So he's more open-minded, and he always supported me. He was like you know you i see so much potential in you and you should carry on with what you want to do so i think that was another doorway opening for me to to have a career which i always wanted to be independent so there there were things i grew up with certain values my mother taught me to be independent woman whereas my father had completely opposite mindset and then after marriage i had more freedom more more of a say to what I wanted to do but then there were other challenges having family being a mom and then coming to London because in Barcelona I couldn't find more work so moving here and then again trying to break into the industry that was another challenge for me because no studio was hiring me because I I didn't have any any work done recently no experience oh, in yeah big break yeah, the big break was, so I was applying all big and small studios. Wow. I was on LinkedIn day and night messaging people, <laughs> recruiters, agents, out supervisors, leads, artists, everyone, message them and just nag everyone. <laughs> so who took you Who took you on after that hiatus? It was my being so persistent on LinkedIn and looking for connections. Someone one day posted about this course which was, it was designed, it was a program designed for women in the industry in animation and VFX. So I was like, oh my God, I need to apply for this. And I applied and I got accepted. So it was basically how to manage your career path and build that support system for, for women who are struggling. So luckily I got accepted. And from there, I started networking. I made so many connections. And one day there was networking event from Animated Women UK. So I went to that one and I met Louise Hussey, which was the, the, she she was the executive producer at DNAG at that time. So she was 
she finished introducing herself and as soon as she finished introducing herself i just ran up to her and i said are you hiring at dneg she goes yeah you can go online and apply through our web portal and i was like i'm doing that it's not working <laughs> i'm doing that with all the studios and i'm really struggling and then i told her my story that i've been a mom and i had this huge gap in my career so really really finding it hard to get back into the industry and she was like okay take my email address my direct contact and send me everything you have your cv show whatever you have and i'll see what i can do so a few days after that i was invited for job interview and then i was at dneg accepted and i worked there for four years four and a half amazing so yeah big shout out to louise i think that's when i met louise as well when she was at dneg yeah, she's it's amazing amazing Awesome. And I'm sure Louise's name will come up again during this, this conversation, but uh, yeah, that's <laughs> I'm glad, glad Dineg took a, took a chance on you. Yeah. So that's great, Louise. So we, we're moving into what I call the uh, kind of like the geeky section for all the, all the, all the VFX kind of the nerds out there who want to hear about the shows. And uh, I'd love to hear about what your favorite, your favorite show or your favorite project has been today. And you've worked on a lot. So yeah, what's the, what's the big one for you? There's so many, but once I joined Dineg, especially I was, I, I was working at the TV department and for me, I think it was just one of, not one, the best experience for me working with such incredible team that everyone was so nice. The culture was amazing. And some of the shows I worked there were, were really a good experience for me, but the favorite one I would say was Altered Carbon for Netflix. The Netflix show, yeah. That was, that was a show that I, when, when we, when it got announced in DNEG, I was like, oh my God, I saw the concept design and everything. I was like, this is for me. This is the kind of job, this is the kind of show I want to do. It was sci-fi. It was more like Blade Runner. And it was like, I was put my name forward that I really want to be part of the show. And it was so well organized, so well managed. Any show that is well managed is just an amazing experience in this industry. So that was so well managed and it was just my kind of show. Yeah. And I also got to do some look development on some of the big, big shots. So it was, it was really nice to be part of that. Nice. And that spoke to your uh, sci-fi leanings you mentioned earlier. Yes, 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 exactly. Like I'm also a big Christopher Nolan fan. <laughs> also Tenet would have been a... Exactly, because my goal moment. was to be on his film one day. And that's why I worked on Tenet. <laughs> that must be so lovely to have those goals to work with yeah. Your, yeah, people you aspire to or directors you love and to be on it physically, to exactly. have your name on the credits yeah. at the end must have been such a buzz. It was, it was really nice, yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that's favourite job. What about um, early questions when we, we first kicked off the, the this season of the podcast, we, we'd say worst job. And then that probably devalues. It's a bit mean to the studio yeah. or the people <laughs> you work with. So we, we've changed that to most challenging job so what's the most challenging yeah job? definitely i don't think i had any worse yeah they're all good thankfully challenging was definitely the show called dark crystal massive we this was the biggest show dina received and nearly four thousand shots and again it was such a challenging such a huge mammoth task for everyone we had they had to the way they had to manage and there were so many ups and downs we went through the show because it had to be manageable in a different way they had to bring different people people from film we had different supervisors for different sequences or different units so it was it was set that way as well so it was it was quite challenging in that sense and also I worked on the sequence as a look development 
artist I was working on this, this sequence for, for this character called Ogra. So she somehow appears in this crystal. So with, with our magical effects, so I was doing all in comp. She appears and disappears and she's talking, but there's this sequence, which is about 20, 25 shots. And I had to take one shot, do my look, look dev on it. And then we had developed this pipeline with the help of tech where we would actually just press a button. It was called popcorn technique. Just click a button and it would just automatically set these nuke scripts for all the other 24 shots. It would pull the plate, it would pull the camera and pull all the elements that I've done automatically set the script by itself and render as well by itself. You don't even have to open nuke and click render. It was just, just done. All 25 shots rendered like that. And then you get to see them. And, and of course they were still, we, we had to send most of it to India. So we, we, you know, we briefed them just, just go in and have a look that it's matching the, the main shot, the, the look dev shot. And they just had to spend a little bit of time just tweaking things. But that was incredible and yeah. it was challenging in a way. It was so new for me. <laughs> it sounds like that, that challenge pushed you to innovate in that respect, yeah. you know, yeah. particularly on the, on the tech yeah. side. That's kind of AI and machine learning kind of yeah. thing. You can ultimately set things up and make it efficient and reduce the, the time quite a lot. Yeah. Like so it's all about the problem solve, isn't it? It's all about, yeah, let's, how can we be more efficient, particularly if it is such a, like I say, behemoth of a, of a job, yeah, exactly. to, to work through exactly. as a team. So who's your, uh, your, your hero? It's a great, it's an interesting question. Interesting how people interpret the idea of having a hero, but who is your VFX hero? And, and I always say this could be a, you know, a great director or a great animator. It could be a peer or somebody you've worked for, but love to get an idea of who you, you class in that, that I would, category I would, I would say everyone i come across in this industry is a hero. <laughs> <laughs> they only deserve a medal <laughs> so many people that you work with are so amazing so brilliant so talented and their names are just just not even just unheard of but as a vfx hero someone i looked up to always and still do is the creative director Dina Paul Franklin. Okay. Uh, yes, I never got the chance to work with him, but it was I came across him. I had a chat with him when I was doing my TED talk because he did his TED talk on his work on Interstellar. All right. And, and he gave me some advice as well how to present and talk. <laughs> really, so <you> got <laughs> TED talk advice from Paul Franklin. Yes. And he shared it as well once my TED talk was out, which was so nice of him. But because I'm a sci-fi and Christopher Nolan fan, and he's mm-hmm. worked on Interstellar and Inception films that I absolutely love. Yeah. So I always like yeah, this, this person is just amazing. And the work he does is just mind blowing. <laughs> so a great hero to have, I think, particularly from you know, where, where you sit in industry. And yeah. there's plenty of time, you know, there's plenty of time to work with him. You're still, still young, still got yes. a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of jobs ahead of you. So still on the subject of still, still in the geek section, a quick fire round, what would you consider to be, and again, this is, I think it's a really unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, <laughs> is just what is the best VFX shot or, or animation you've ever seen? So what do you yeah. consider just an awesome shot that just is? It is, it is an unfair. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got a feeling when it might be. I, I have to answer it differently <laughs> because <laughs> there's so many, like, you know, you, you see so many things on films and TV shows with some incredible vfx work you don't even know how much work has gone into that you know but 
Honestly, I would like to give a shout out to James Moxon, one of the supervisors that I worked with at DNEG, and now I'm working with him again at ILM. I worked with him at DNEG again on Dark Crystal. It's not really one particular shot or animation, it's just how he structured the pipeline on the show for Dark Crystals. We had these puppets. I don't know if you've seen the show. And yes. we needed to bring life and animation to their expressions. So it was so subtle and so well done, considering the show had almost 4,000 shots. Most of it was animating facial expressions. So seeing him working on that pipeline that made it so efficient for us to work with their expressions and bringing the puppets to life, I think was so was so extraordinary because I know how much work went into that. And because I was part of it, helping him set up these layouts and scripts, and then we were sending it to briefing other artists just adding those animations, you know. And then seeing it on TV was such an awe moment. So I think it's, it's the people don't even know that this is the least VFX thing about the show, about the Dark Crystal, but there was so much work gone into that. There was most almost unnoticeable. So I think that was cool. so great to be part of and seeing that coming together so well. It was It was nice. I, I love that. And I think, yeah, I think obviously, typically this to go to is, the big impressive set piece, you know, I almost expected like something from Inception, you know, and like the city folds onto itself. Yes. Or, <laughs> and, and of course, that's amazing. But yeah. um, I love, I, I almost prefer the answers where it's a little bit more nuanced and there's loads of work in it. It's like all the hidden VFX or the, yes. you know, you could have a, you know, especially from a compositing point of view, it could be a whole street and a load of phone boxes and, you know, trees, yeah. you know, and actually you just don't notice it because that's, that's yes. the concept of what we do, isn't it? Is you're creating yeah. worlds, believable or otherwise. Because it wouldn't even be considered VFX because no one would say, oh, this is VFX. VFX was everything else in the show that was done. But I know being part of it with James Moxon, I was like, this really deserves a complete episode or a feature on just, just this thing, how this was done and achieved. Amazing. And there's still time. <laughs> um, so that's the, what you consider to be the best shot or, or at least a set piece. But, you know, what, what show... I mean, we say what show stands out as a VFX or animation masterclass, but almost a way of positioning this is, you know, what almost what would you show to somebody to go, this is what we do. This is the this yeah. is the living, breathing example. I'm always, I'm always referring to Blade Runner 2049 because it's, oh, yeah. it's my favorite. It's so beautifully done. The environment, CGI, the depth, color palettes, cinematography, the aesthetics, the subtlety of the whole VFX process that it's there but it still makes you think that it's so real, you know? And I think the director and everyone on the team just done incredible. And again, it was done at DNEG and they did also win Oscar yeah. for their work on Blade Runner 2049, which was- Yeah, richly deserved. That was, yes. yeah, again, yes. super immersive. Like we've, we've touched a lot of, on the podcast, we've talked a lot about as visual effects artists, as uh, there are some films that you watch where you start to kind of almost analyze the VFX and there's some, films like Blade Runner 2049 where it's so good that you forget about all that and you're just in I'm just enjoying the the experience you know being enveloped yes. in the the beautiful yes. imagery and, and and the effects work so that's a great example of the a pinnacle of the art form what about character design what's a great character realized for you Lorraine there, there's so many I would I could name but one recently I saw this because I was into gaming as well but because of such a busy life I'm not 
gaming a lot but i saw this yeah, trailer yeah, recently yeah. of of, uh, of diablo 3 and I, I saw this character the lilith the daughter of diablo okay. i think the design is quite exceptional and even though i'm not very familiar with the game but i think the design the level of detail textures and and the way they presented it is it was quite nice so i was like i need to do more research on this and i might just play the game because of that just wait <laughs> so for the cool. cinematic to, to yeah. kick in and I hear you about the life of, of a game, a parenting, a parent gamer. It's, uh, <laughs> it's infrequent, isn't it? Yes, um, yes. Cool. Well, thank you for picking a games character. That's, uh, yes, that's unusual. We normally get something from Lord of the Rings or, you know, The Hobbit or something. No, I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I should be diplomatic. So that's the geeky bit. So let's move into the, the advice stuff now. So we have a whole audience out there. I'm sure are listening in there. They're swathes looking for advice on how to get into industry and we start with the best piece of advice that you've ever received you know so again you've had quite the journey to get to where you are to date right but what's the best piece of advice you were provided with best advice was from my brother do we effects <laughs> is that it <laughs> yes that, that was that was the moment and that's it from there onwards i just took it i love your brother <laughs> that's, that's all you need isn't it just push just the push you need to yeah. sort his uh, music promo out Lareva, so, yeah, there's a repay, repayment uh, do vfx amazing so we like to talk a bit about imposter syndrome it's uh, something we all talk about and have you i mean again you look at your linkedin profile again where i do my research i don't go i mean i do a little google but that's about it and you go through your linkedin profile and it's scroll 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 and there's all these great logos of these amazing post-production companies vfx studios contexts yeah have you ever felt out of your depth working for such massive names and on huge huge shows i think it's it's always there but because of my passion and love for the work i do i just try not to let it affect me too much but these things are always there something some sometimes you just have to work around them you know some people ask me mentees and young aspiring artists they have anxiety issues or they have these negative emotions how do you overcome them sometimes i just say you just can't get rid of it completely it's there you just have to work around it somehow with the imposter syn syndrome i I, I really don't let it get to my head. Just, just it can also be used as a reminder that you're not always the best. Keeps you grounded and humble. But then at the same time, you know you have a chance and opportunity to be where you are, which not everyone has. Do you really want to let that go by these weird negative thoughts? So you have to be the one on top. Decide what kind of emotions should let you to let affect you or which ones shouldn't yeah there's almost a difference between what we, we we think of imposter syndrome and just being humble and it's getting that balance between humility and yeah. not being a not being a dick basically is what I used to talk about a lot or an ego you deserve to be here and you're what yeah you're as worthy as anyone to be here you know and it's about as corny as it sounds, it's just about believing in yourself. And yes. like your brother just said, enjoy. do the effects, just do it and get out there and just apply yourself. And we touched yes. on growth mindset earlier about, you know, exactly. don't don't doubt yourself, you know, because everybody's yes. on that learning trajectory. Aren't well, they? Don't dwell on these really negative emotions. That's just that's not really helpful. Yeah. Just again, as you said, just believe in yourself. So the next question, and I've got a feeling it'd be similar to your brother's advice, is 
What advice would you give to your teenage self if you could go back? If I get the chance to go back and see myself, I'll just say, keep going. You're on the right track. <laughs> yeah, you've got this. You've got this. Just a, just a pat on the back. Just yes. A, a mysterious <laughs> character, you know. Yes. I always wonder what I'd do if I bumped into a, an old I've gone through so show. many different challenges in my life and I've still made it through. I just feel like sometimes I don't know how I've done it. Mm. And <clears throat> just just tell myself, just keep going. You are doing something right. It is funny, isn't it? Like, you know, I've, much like yourself, I've been in industry, creative industry broadly for a long time. And you do have to catch yourself sometimes and look back and go, crikey, I've been on quite the journey. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of that is down to just being a decent person and and engaging yes. and working hard and I know it sounds really simple but it's just so true I mean it terrifies yeah. me when I look back to when I first started out in the, in the late 90s which I won't get into that's a com- conversation for another time <laughs> we can do another episode just on you I'm just going to talk for an hour and see if anybody <laughs> listens to it on Spotify um, yes, we will <laughs> no, don't, don't tempt me um, I'll do it <laughs> So similar but different questions. So, so what do you wish you'd known when you were starting out? So less about the advice, but more about just what, what do you wish you had knowledge of when you were starting out on your journey? Yeah, again, I, I didn't know how to answer this question. I think you will never have all the answers from the, mm. from the start, but having the attitude of being adapting and having an open mind, I think it helps you develop yourself and, and build yourself and progress in anything that you are doing. So it's just all about having the attitude. And yeah, for me, I think it was it was really that the, the learning comes later on. It pretty much gives this advice to all my mentees or people who are question me about these things that there's no right or wrong way of doing anything, especially when you're doing it for the first time. You just do it. It's your then, way. Yeah. Then you learn, then you learn the right way. <laughs> it goes back to making, being, having room to make mistakes as well, I guess, you know, because there's yes. nothing wrong with, with that. It's just, just owning, owning up to your mistakes. And as long as you're not hurting anyone, of course. No, we're not saving lives, and, are we? And you yeah. are, <clears throat> you are completely doing it on your own. And I think there's no right or wrong way. Just do it. Great advice. I wish I'd known that when I was starting out. <laughs> <laughs> guess your biggest learning you know what show or or time in your career did you learn the most and why definitely when I joined DMEG the the people at TV amazing amazing from Louise Hussey to all the other execs uh, Jonathan Prevert and Hayden all these people were such so lovely and amazing and taking care of their team members and you know working under them was so incredible Louise was always she always told me when you approached me the first time we met it was for her like this first impression about me that I am very very determined to get anything I want so they they always took care of me and, and people I work with that that time during my time at Medina TV was just one of the best everyone there the culture everyone was so open-minded willing to listen to you and it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, you're a woman, you're a man, what gender you are. It's just for them was it really when you're just you're just an incredible, skillful person. And then they will give you all the chance in the world to to move on with your in, in your position, you know. Great foundation. Yeah. A real launch pad for the rest of your, your career and, and, and the places you've worked yes. with. 
Well, thank you. Thank you for that. DNEG haven't paid us for all these glowing recommendations, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Not sponsored by DNEG today. But no, really, really lovely. It, like was, that. it was that team that Genuine. has now all gone to Ireland. <laughs> I know, I was going to say. <laughs> exactly. I'm so lucky to be with them again. No, right? It's like full circle, isn't it? You've got this whole like, arc of just ended up working with your, the team that you learned the most from. And that's, yeah. that's lovely, poetic. Um, so the final three now, final three questions, it's the really meaty stuff, is uh, we're going to start with the industry. And what would you change about the VFX industry, Lorraine, if you had a magic wand? Again, absolutely seeing more diverse, more diversity, inclusivity in, in within the industry, which which amazingly you guys, you you with Access VFX and so many other organizations are taking part in this and taking it so seriously. It's incredible to see that change. But of course, I would love to see more and more of that emerging within the company, seeing more diverse people. We need to know and we need to hear their stories as well, have their input in part of storytelling i think that makes a huge huge difference and that's what needed right now in the industry and i couldn't agree more for many obvious reasons that you've already mentioned yeah. but actually the next question is a lovely segue from that in in that how do we get there you know what's the one thing we can do collectively as a step towards a more inclusive and diverse industry do you think i think like a company like Ilem, i'm so amazed at how they're approaching it and it's so incredible to see because at ILM, since we started, I joined during the pandemic and they're so communicative with about everything, either it be mental health issues or how you're coping, working from home and talking about diversity, women in workplace, all the issues, all the political issues like, you know, George Floyd and everything, Black Lives Matter. We had discussion, we would have a meeting, we would have a conference and people would discuss if there are any issues, if there are any concerns you want to put out, everyone's given the chance and platform to do it. And then we also have these groups, ERG groups, you know, for women, for people from LGBT community, more diverse. So it's it's like from different backgrounds, you know, different ethnicities. So we have these different groups and we have this support structure, which I've never seen before in any company. And seeing that now at ILM is so incredible. And I, it just makes me happy that they are actually doing something about it. And again, <clears throat> whatever Access VFX, for example, is doing that, this network, networking event you had arranged <clears throat> back in October. So October or November. Yeah, yeah it was October. Yeah. <clears throat> Stuff like that, just it's incredible because having that, again, having that support structure from mm. my experience when I was struggling after becoming a mom, finding my work finding my way back into the industry again it was through these organizations and networking events i found my way into the industry you know thanking to all these organizations you guys are doing incredible i think this Thank is, There's a this lot is to the do. support structure we need yes it's like a big employee network in many ways isn't it <laughs> I, I, it's great to hear that ilm have that internally as well it must be so it's nice to have those groups of people yes. yeah that's wicked yes. So the final drum roll question, and I'm not going to leave without you sharing at least a link to your TED talk that we'll put in the uh, the show notes afterwards. So people can go oh, check okay. it out. I'm sure, it's <laughs> out there somewhere. Is it's the career advice question? So it's the. I mean, there's been a lot of great advice on this podcast already. But what's the one golden nugget of advice for anyone trying to get into the industry? Like to share. Networking is so so important that I keep telling everyone just reach out to people. I get so many students and new aspiring artists reaching out to me, sending me their showreels. Or can you give us advice? Of course, it can become overwhelming for us, 
but there will there are good people out there who, which who will take the time out to respond to you get back to you there are people who want to help uh, you know networking is i think just number one getting out there putting yourself out there out just go out of your comfort zone making those connections and you never know through through which person you will find your way in as i did when i was yeah. struggling you know that that's very important and then again if you also if you are in the time where you don't know what to do for example when i was after my a levels i wasn't sure if i wanted to do engineering so i took a gap here sometimes you just have to step back you need to, you need to see and take your time what you really want to do and understand it's it's also taking the time not not feel under so much pressure that i need to decide right now what i need to do for my career i think is sometimes we need to realize that taking time out or taking just taking step back is also important in in our careers so that's lovely advice i mean i think uh, yeah two golden nuggets you're allowed to as it's you lorraine sorry well, <laughs> so one right. it's a nice informal podcast this is fine you can throw into it's really good i think the networking thing comes up a lot and i'm glad you mentioned it so almost re- every episode it gets reinforced the power of network and networking isn't just turning up to an event and trying to get a load of business cards off people or having awkward yeah. conversations it's reaching out i mean we, we live in the digital world now so yeah. you know they're they're available and there's a real war yeah. for talent at the moment i mean there's so much work out there it's yeah, all for the yes. taking and, and, and a lot yeah yes so if you're listening get involved this is the time to strike while the iron's hot and i'm such a fan of taking a step back and yes. you know, recalibrate you know take yes. a take a moment you know look at and, and sell all the all the you mentioned mental health earlier that self-care particularly these days in this kind of weird kind of post-pandemic hybrid world we're in at the moment which uh, has a lot of pluses but can be, be yeah, yeah absolutely yes well, Ray, that was absolute pleasure. I mean, I, I love spending an hour with anybody from our community. It's such a genuine, um, genuine pleasure to, to be able to kind of have these conversations. I'm not going to let you go with uh, telling people, well, how can people find your TED Talk? Because I didn't know this about you until I did a little bit of my, I would say, half-assed research. <laughs> but how do people find out about, where is it? What is it on? Oh, it was, um, this third talk was actually done in a university in Pakistan. Amazing. So once I mentioned when the whole thing went viral about me in Pakistan, so a lot of universities, young people, aspiring artists started hearing my name, that there's this girl doing wonders in the, in the Hollywood. It became such a big thing. So I was invited to do a TED talk in in Pakistan. It was a university in Pakistan. So it was actually my first ever public even though it was recorded, I was still nervous to death because being a very shy, reserved person who would not even speak in front of a bunch of people, let alone here I was talking about my journey and my 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 career and challenges of it, it was very, I think it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. So it was my first time, so please be kind. <laughs> it wasn't the best, I would say. And then I was also invited for another TEDx talk that was organized by Scape Studios here in London. But that was that was during that was just when the pandemic happened. And I was just going through so many emotions and so many difficult. Yeah. It was a really hard time. So I kind of backed out from that. So I was like, I, I don't think I want to do that right now. Not in the state to go out yeah. and speak about things which even I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't I don't blame you. Yeah, um, so I had a step back from that. But yes, it's you will find it online. 
we will have it in the show notes so people can go and check it out. I love the fact I love that you're a celebrity in Pakistan. I think it's brilliant. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I don't I don't like calling us red, red carpet treatment. <laughs> Get invited for this these TV interviews as well. And I'm always like, I don't want to do it. It's a good exposure. It's, it's helping people being aware of mm. what I do because there's not much awareness. Definitely want to educate people, but I do prefer going to universities or master classes more. Can, and yeah. and talking to students one to one that's that for me is is something i want to do yeah amazing well uh, yeah i think that's a good place to leave it Lorraine. thank you so much for joining us on the podcast there's so much stuff i would love to delve into but we only have a an hour max otherwise people will never listen you know you know <laughs> it's a fickle audience out there but maybe we'll bring you back for a part two who knows bring you oh. back for another an, another another hour i think there's so much really rich <laughs> stuff in there so thanks for your time and it's uh, it's evening time so i'm sure you've got better things to be doing than, than talking to me about visual effects so uh, <laughs> and then going to bed exactly. <laughs> thank you Lorraine. have a great have thank a nice evening so thank you simon thank you for having me it was a thank pleasure you. thank you well there you have it episode 11 of the access vfx podcast a classic episode i'm sure you all agree do VFX needs to be on a t-shirt or something? I do hope Lorraine gets to make that music promo for her brother. Before you go, a couple of things. Please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, subscribe, and if you fancy, you can leave us a review. And most importantly, if you do anything today, please get involved with our Foundry-sponsored global e-mentoring program. If you're in the UK, USA, Canada, Australia, or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in visual effects animation or games. Go to www.accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and change someone's life. Thank you to Larabe for being an awesome guest. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Come join me next week where we speak to yet another amazing human. Mm-hmm.